Hey friends, welcome back to the journal feed. My name is Nick Zelt, and this is the only place to get spoon-fed the latest and greatest of emergency medicine, where we help you keep up on the literature, making that easy for you by spoon-feeding it to you. Now, let's take a quick look ahead at everything we'll be covering. First off, having children during residency, it still has a ways to go. Then we're still working on transfusion strategies for trauma. How about early PCC? After that, let's talk about VL and should it be first choice. Then uh, PE in pregnancy is a scary thing. Here's some help on which decision tool to use. And then finally, how worked up should you get about ST elevation in AVR? Now, if you are hearing this right now, then you are not currently a journal feed subscriber, and so you will not be receiving the full journal feed podcast, only getting a portion of the past week's articles. Don't worry, all great articles. But if you would like to get full access to both the podcast and the blog, then you will have to become a member. All the details for that are at journalfeed.org. And remember that we never want money to be a barrier to better patient care. So if you're having any trouble affording a subscription, please get in touch. We'll help you out. Now, this is the audio version of the past week summaries, which this week were brought to you by Rebecca White, Seth Walsh-Blackmore, Jason Lesnick, Chris Thome, and Clay Smith. Okay, let's jump to the second article. Titled, Efficacy and Safety of Early Administration of Four-Factor Prothrombin Complex Concentrate in Patients with Trauma at Risk of Massive Transfusion, the Pro-COAG Randomized Clinical Trial out of the JAMA. The trauma world, it loves its transfusions. It's as if it's the blood's fault that it's leaking out all over the place. That said, if we could make the blood clot a little bit better, then we could improve outcomes and maybe give less blood overall, hopefully saving lives too. There has been some observational data which suggests that giving prothrombin complex concentrate PCC early may reduce the amount of blood replacement required and save lives compared to just giving FFP alone. Were that true, then this is something we'd want to know because it could change practice. Here we have a double-blinded RCT from 12 French level 1 adult trauma centers recruiting patients at risk of requiring massive transfusion protocol activation. They define this risk as having received at least one PRBC pre-hospital or within one hour of arrival, and an ABC score of two or more, or physician clinical assessment deeming the patient at high risk for MTP. After a patient was identified, they were randomized within one hour of arrival to receive either one milligram per kg of PCC or an NS placebo. Most patients received TXA before arriving to the hospital. Now, MTP in this study consisted of PRBCs and FFP at a 1 to 1 or 2 to 1 ratio with platelet targets around 50 and fibrinogen given depending on testing. They were able to recruit 324 patients, which was powered enough to detect a 25% difference in blood products given within the first 24 hours, which is huge. Wanting a 25% difference is a big ask for an intervention like this. Well, actually for any intervention for that matter. But this trial didn't look like there was much of a signal anyway, so maybe power wasn't necessarily the problem. The PCC group had 12 units given, and the placebo group had a median of 11 units given. So there was a lack of benefit, and there were more prothrombotic events at 28 days in the PCC group, so that's signal for harm. Mortality was unchanged. Overall, I feel like this trial probably had no chance of reaching its lofty primary outcome, but it was still an important paper to see. 
It's worth noting that they excluded anticoagulated patients, which may have been the group most likely to gain from this scenario. In Spoonful, early PCC administration after trauma was not shown to decrease blood products used or mortality while showing some harm by causing more thrombotic events. And then we jump to the fourth article. Titled, Non-Invasive Diagnostic Workup for Suspected Acute Pulmonary Embolism During Pregnancy, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis of Individual Patient Data, out of the Journal of Thrombosis and Hemostasis. Now, a pregnant woman with chest pain, the can't-miss diagnosis is PE. But this is such a tricky population, and it's one of the ones that we're least eager to scan. I've had several patients who have had several doctors try to convince them that the pretest probability justifies doing a CTPE, and they chose to go without in either way. I thought, honestly, it was probably unlikely that they had a PE in that circumstance. But without a better explanation, and my decision tool is telling me that I should scan, I mean, you feel kind of stuck. For these reasons, I'm sure we'd all like to be using the best decision tool possible, and what would that be? Let's do a quick comparison. This was a systematic review and meta-analysis which identified two studies of prospectively managed pregnant patients with suspected PEs, the CTPE study and the Artemis study, both of which previously have been covered on the journal feed, by the way. The authors use this data to compare wells with and without adjusted D-dimer cutoffs as well as the year's algorithm. They had a total of almost 900 pregnant patients to meta-analyze, from which the baseline prevalence of PE was 5%, highest in the first trimester. Now, the approach with the highest sensitivity was actually a tie between the Wells rule with a fixed D-dimer threshold and the year's algorithm, both of which were sensitive at 98%. The specificity was highest using the Wells rules with a D-dimer threshold, which was dependent on the clinical pretest probability. It was 44% specific. Actually pretty good, but here the sensitivity was only 90%. The next most specific was the year's algorithm at 32%, which I'll remind you was also tied for being the most sensitive. Then finally was the wells with a fixed D-dimer threshold, which was only 13% specific, really low. Also useful to know is that there wasn't seeming to be much benefit from compression ultrasound of the lower extremities for patients who didn't have any signs of a DVT, a number needed to test of 127 to avoid a CTPE. Looking at this data, I think I'm going to stick with the year's algorithm for my pregnant patients. It had the best sensitivity and specificity, kind of a balance there. In a spoonful, here was a nice head-to-head comparison of decision tools for PEs. Both wells and years certainly have their merits. You pick what fits your practice pattern the best. All right, let's do our wrap-up. From the second article, early PCC in trauma patients does not save the day. And now we have a pretty good RCT to back that up. Then from the fourth article, a meta-analysis of decision tools for PE in pregnancy seems to show that the year's algorithm has a nice balance of sensitivity and specificity. Links to all the articles summarized can be found at journalfeed.org, where the newsletter is the best way to make the podcast into a bite-sized nugget of space repetition. Now, if you feel like you're missing out a little bit, you'd like to hear more, read more, then you'll have to come and join us over at the numbers feed. Our goal here is for you to read less, learn more, and save lives, one spoonful at a time.